Okay. Welcome to SNC Podcast episode 39. We have Bill Guy. Not going to try to figure it out. The last name is pronounced uh, Coloma. Uh, just think like Cologne, but with an M. Uh, we got you on here. Um, we actually have a Kickstarter right now. Uh, your background, actually. <laughs> um, kinetic. So uh, can you give like a little insight on what that's about? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so like you said, my Kickstarter is live right now for Kinetic Identities number one. Now, even though it's a number one, Kinetic has actually published already eight issues. Um, our original series, Kinetic Identities, uh, that had an eight-issue run, and we started publishing that in 2018. Um, before that, I started up the company fully and started like seriously writing this about 2016. Um, going back even further, I had written some comic scripts around maybe 2010, 2011, but uh, nothing that really took off because the internet uh, really exploded in the last, you know, seven to ten years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we started in like 2017, but like I started writing the comics in 2015, and uh, then I found business partner in 2016 yeah yeah a lot of people i mean uh comics is a lot like a lot of other avenues like television and television radio movies really you just see the finished product but there's a lot of work that goes into it behind the scenes that you never see and you're not privy to yeah so a lot of people think oh well it's you know a 24 page or a 22 page comic you know, but there was a lot of work. There was a lot of lead up to that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's one of the things that like indie creators as a whole should do better at um, is show the progress, the whole process in general. Because um, some don't, and uh, then they're like, "Oh, why don't I have like an audience?" And like, well, first engage with people. That's when your community, but um, yeah, like if you show, like people could go like read Marvel or DC, but like you have to give something special to them. So like you should do that. So you should like show like what you're doing, your whole process, and then like do live videos and try to like engage with them a bit more. Yeah, and especially with Marvel and DC, you have, for some characters, 80 years of continuous fan base. Yeah. And as indie creators, we don't have that. We, and so you definitely have to lean into, hey, here's what I'm doing, here's why I'm doing it, and get people to care some other way because it's not, if they're not going to care because it's been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, that's one of the bullet points I actually had. Um, without even looking at it, I, do, I remembered um yeah so i listened to another podcast the beard and comic podcast and uh with aaron dowlin and matt i think his last name i think it starts with s from um catalyst comics and uh they were talking with one of their recent guests i don't know if it was todd rooney or jason buck 
they were asked uh they were actually asking if like i think they were asking the question about if superhero genre is like basically worn out or um like so hard to get into is it like so hard to get into because there's marvel and dc already so you know i think a lot of people who get into comics get into comics because of superhero stories um superhero stories especially now they're the most prevalent that are out there i mean you can find crime fiction you can still find you know romance stories and some other sci-fi fantasy but i it's predominantly the predominant genre is superheroes so i think a lot of people who get into comics are into superheroes and because of that a lot of people who say hey i'm going to make my own comic they'll they usually will either start with or kind of uh, gravitate towards that superhero genre and that and that in turn because so many people are familiar with it and so many people are trying to do it too there's so many superhero artists so many superhero writers that it makes the competition to actually go up to the big leagues uh, to actually get a job at dc marvel or even idw dark horse one of the smaller guys it makes that competition even more fierce yeah um actually somebody actually asked that question on our podcast um like a couple episodes ago like we take we took like a huge break from doing this and uh yeah like a few episodes ago they actually like said that because our like main thing that's actually on kickstarter right now is like it's superhero based and um but i also introduce like other genres like later on so right now it starts at like a superhero like it builds our universe out to be like superhero but it's not all superhero there's gonna be like horror and everything else and i was like yeah this is just a way to like get people in the door basically <clears throat> yeah and now um i'm gonna i'm gonna totally steer this another direction are you so you guys are building it up as one universe that there's going to be different uh, genres. Like there'll be a horror tale that's told in your universe. There'll be superhero tales in your universe and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so like most of the story is about like the whole conspiracy thing, and fire that starts everything. But um, that's the first issue. I can't wait to like release that. Um, but there's like a serial killer character that I actually like can't wait <laughs> to like put out into the public. Not a real serial killer, but <laughs> um, and, yeah, your, your fictional uh, crime thriller. Yeah, and uh, he's. I just like writing villains more. I th I think it's more fun. So uh, when I was like, I actually like wrote a solo series for that guy and um it, it won't be out for like a while but like that also connects to our like video game that connects to our whole universe or whatever so it's insane nice yeah when i finished uh when i finished kinetic volume one um 
I w- went on the road and I was selling the books, just uh, going around selling them. But at the same time, I was cognizant about, hey, what am I doing next? And for me, because I d- did the superhero genre, I was like, man, I'm going to do something totally different. And I decided to do this. Uh, it was like an all ages time travel adventure book called Time Nomad. And I was really excited for it. And we ended up launching on Kickstarter, I think, back in March of last year, March of 2018. And it absolutely flopped. Oh. Uh, I raised, uh, I think I was trying to raise $3,500, and I raised less than 500 out of everything. Uh, but it was interesting because I had a lot of people who reached out to me and said, hey, we're not, I'm not really interested in this new book that you're doing, but when you do more kinetic, let me know. And that kind of made me think that maybe I have something special with this. And maybe instead of just going and trying something totally different, maybe I should actually stick with something that's a winning formula. And not that there's anything wrong with getting, doing something different, but I just think, and I see a lot of independent creators do this where they have their universe. They might have their, their one main title that they're doing. And then subsequent releases are going to be, uh, like spinoffs or tie-ins or something that's a little different, but in that same universe. That way a reader is going to actually know, hey, this is the same universe. This is what's going on. Yeah. And I think that's a more savvy way than to do what I did, which was just say, all right, kinetic's done. Here's this brand new thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like people say to like try to stay in your lane or your niche um, or genre. So I guess I kind of am doing that in a way. Like what you said was like, we have our main story and then like, we're going to, we're releasing solo series with that main story. So there's the Seer Chronicles, but then like there's Ink and then the new uh, solo series if we get to our stretch goal is that. So um, yeah, it's like that's how we're releasing things in a way so like Mm -hmm. everyone can read the main story but like there's these over here too yeah there's something to be said for uh you know staying in your lane and sticking with the genre that you know uh but i'm sure you know just as well as i do as creators there's so many times like a new idea or a little scene will pop into your head and then i just uh, just the other day that happened to me where i and i know I cannot make it work as a comic book. I'm like, I, the seed for this, I'm, I, there's no like great imagery for it. But I'm like, man, I'm like, this will make a great novel. So I'm like, okay. And I just went down and I wrote the scene down all in prose, just all freehand. I grabbed a notebook and a pen and just started writing. And I really like the scene. But at the same time, I understand that, you know, I get paid for the comic books. So I, the comic, it's nice to have something on the side that way I could say, okay, I'm going to work on the comics. And then if I get burnt out or I say, you know, I don't feel like working on this day, then I say, okay, I'm going to work on something else. Yeah. And that's how I usually just kind of manage my workload. Yeah. Um, I was, I've been trying to write like a book that has nothing to do with like, comics at all. It's like a non-fiction or fiction. I can't think of it right now. Um, Nonfiction. Yeah, still not. It's foggy up here. Um, and while I'm like writing it, I like, I like stopped writing for a while, like 
writing that book because like I don't know like the direction it's supposed to be going. It's supposed to be like the journey of us forming our business and like the things we've learned along the way. But we're, I'm only like 29, so like I didn't learn like a ton yet. So it's more like imposter syndrome of think like who am I to release this book. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I think we all face that as creators, even if we make, you know, our first books and say, Hey, I made a book. Yeah. It's tough for us to, it's tough for us to say, Hey, I'm a writer. Yeah. Cause we kind of feel like, Hey, well, I stuck my way in here and yeah, I've got a book I made. I remember the first couple of shows I did and I was like, Hey, I made a book. It doesn't suck. Right. But no, and I definitely think for that, uh, for something nonfiction, I actually think there is a market for that. Cause I, go to conventions well when when conventions were still a thing i would go to conventions and all the time i get fellow creators who come in and would say hey what advice do you have what this and i really just want to have something that i could be like well i've got great advice it's right here in this book yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like about social media and all this other stuff that like we yeah, follow it, so much but especially what i think uh for you, what you'll find is you're compiling this information, like, uh, cause this probably won't be released within the next, uh, I don't know, maybe six months. I, I don't know how, I don't know how much work you've done on this. Maybe it could be ready to be re released tomorrow, but I'm assuming that hey, you got kind of an idea. Maybe some chapters are going on in this book, but the nice thing is as you compile more, as you get more time in the game and get more time doing it, you'll have more and more experiences to back up and more and more things that you could say, Oh yeah. And it also, if you notice, if this happens, you know, you might want to look out for this. Yeah. Just little things like that. There's so much stuff that you learn. Um, being a comics creator is kind of a trial by fire. Yeah. <laughs> because you just, you make a book, you, I mean, there's so much I learned from doing that first book. And then you get to the second one and you can say, okay, I know that it has to, the art has to be a certain template. And we did, did the wrong template the first one. So it's like, okay, now we can fix it. Yeah. Uh, learned a lot from the first book because, um, so Seer Chronicles issue one, like came out last year on Kickstarter, but it was like nothing like, oh yeah. Yeah. It's not really anything like how it is now. Like the script wasn't completely edited. Like it, it was like, down to like storyboard form which that's like i'm better at writing plots and then dylan comes in and edits it and he shrinks it down to like what it should be um i am good at writing uh i'll actually be cocky about that like i i've had enough people say oh you're like really good at writing i'm like oh thanks um like our solo series that we released last year too, which was like a goal of mine last year was mm -hmm. I wanted ink to come out and it's like a, it's a very short comic because everybody is like, I wish there was more, but it was cool that there wasn't so much because it's kind of like mysterious. Like, oh, that's cool. I kind of tried doing that. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I also just didn't have enough story for that like issue. And, um, for Seer Chronicles issue one, we had like a different artist. And one of the things we learned was one, like after that whole fiasco, I wanted someone that could like speak English because there was like a language barrier that was definitely hindering the script. So he didn't add like a bunch of pages that should have been 
uh, in the comics, so that made the story overall, like, suffer. So, like, Travis Gibb, I don't know if you know Travis Gibb. Um, when yeah, he, I know Travis. Yeah, so when he was uh, reading it, he, like, messaged me, and then I was like, yeah, I've been thinking of, like, remastering it, but, like, I don't know if I should do it earlier rather than later and then he was saying oh you should probably do it like earlier i was like oh okay so that's why i'm doing it now and i'm doing i'm putting that like remastered version out with issue two which issue one is like way longer it's like near 40 pages yeah i think well and what and one of the most given advice that I think is given out to people who are to say, Hey, you know, what advice can you give to an aspiring creator? I, I always say, start small. And I've heard, and I've heard that from a ton of people. It's, and it's funny because I, I think it's one of the most given pieces of advice, but I also think that it's one of the most pieces of advice that's ignored because everybody wants to write that, you know, 350 page epic graphic novel, the, uh, you know they want to they want their spawn yeah but uh it's a lot easier and i'll get i don't know if we're going to get into like actual advice for people starting out but it's a lot easier to finish a book that uh is you know two pages four pages even a single issue is astronomically easier to finish than trying to finish you know a uh, eight issue series, a twenty four issue series, a hundred issue series. Yeah, um, actually, the Seer Chronicles is uh, when it was originally written. I wrote it in like a story format, so it was like over twelve hundred pages. And uh, we're releasing it like per issue because it, I want the story out, and it's the main story. So like, if that wasn't out, then like I would have nothing really. <laughs> until it's all out so uh, yeah. what one thing that i did with kinetic was uh, that first issue is kind of almost a standalone issue like you can read it all by itself but when we started getting i wanted to make sure that okay enough people kind of liked it and it was actually seen and i was like okay before we can make this viable and then we started getting into like the full production for it yeah, that's awesome yeah like i could have went with just doing the graphic novel um and slowly like working on that over time and then like just releasing the solo series but then like it would still connect because all of those solo series connect back into that story like, everything connects back into that but uh, I, I wanted the story out <laughs> plus the video game that's coming out this year wouldn't even happen because that idea probably wouldn't be able to even happen because Seer Chronicles wouldn't have been like out and we wouldn't be thinking of like those ideas for it because it would it would be like on the back burner in a way. Yeah. Oh, and that's nice that you guys are getting the actual game out of it too. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, that started with like, we just wanted like, we have like a few guidelines, like continuity that Marvel does not follow. <laughs> so there's like a multiverse for them like oh if peter parker dies it was miles like no nah, nah, we're not gonna do that um if a character in our story dies they die and that's it 
there's not gonna be another version of them. It's not how they um, and on top of that, we wanted all the streets, like if you were to like drive down a certain street, you would be on Elm Street or whatever street you're, the police officer's chasing you down or whatever. And then that gave us the idea of getting a map. So then we just used Google Maps and we drew squares and that looked crap. So then I got my friend Scott to make a 3D map for us. And while he was doing that, he was doing it in Unity. So he like, we were like, oh, wait, that's video game software. Can we just make a video game? He's like, oh, yeah. And I was like, okay. So, yeah, that, that's what started all that. Nice, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's something really cool that you can have and just at the end of the day say that you did. Yeah, because since like high school, I wanted to make a video game. So it's not the same video game idea, but it's mm. still a video game. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, like how many Kickstarters have you done over time? Uh, this Kickstarter running currently is my third. Um, originally I ran the, my first one was the failed time nomad that we talked about briefly. And then back in November, December of 2019, I did a, or I'm sorry, uh, November, October, November of 2019, I did, uh, kinetic volume one uh, for a trade paperback for that and uh, then this uh, just going on currently i have the one for kinetic identities number one Sweet. yeah those are the only like crowdfunding things you've ever done or did you try indiegogo at some point uh no those were the only crowdfunding that i did um when i started out originally i was adamant against crowdfunding yeah, um that's the thing that i was doing yeah it was and it's odd and it's it's one of kind of my biggest regrets that i have just from doing this the short time that i've been doing it um when i first started out man kickstarter i mean kickstarter was out there there was a couple kickstarters that were getting kind of big recognition i know potato salad was out by then you know the guy who the guy who wanted to raise 25 dollars for to throw a party and make some potato salad and then it ended up raising like thousands of dollars because people just saw him were like oh this is wacky and i was like man kickstarter and crowdfunding in general it just seems too easy for someone to go on there say hey i'm gonna do this and then people pledge they donate they give to it and then they just walk away with the money it seemed too easy to do that so i was like man i'm like i'm not gonna do a crowdfunding um, and the reason that I changed my mind about that was a creator that I really respect and admire, Tyler James, who runs the Comics Launch podcast. Uh, we got to talking, and he's like, hey, well, you know, it sound, I know you're against crowdfunding, and, you know, just why, and I kind of explained my reasoning. And he says, well, look, if it's easy for someone to walk away with someone else's money, would you do that? I was like, well, no, I deliver my book like I say I would. Well, if you would deliver it, why wouldn't you do it? And uh, it was something like that. But that kind of flipped a switch in my brain that I was just like, okay, I'm like, this is just, uh, it's just a tool to use. Yeah. And uh, there are people who can, you know, misuse the tool. Yep. But uh, just from being on Kickstarter, and that was about when I think I started 
really backing Kickstarters in earnest. I think I backed maybe a few friends of mine that had some stuff on there. But that's when I started, like, if I liked a cool, if I thought the project was cool, I said, hey, I'm going to back it. And started backing people. And then I was like, okay, I'm actually going to use it for crowdfunding for the, uh, for the graphic novel because the trade paperbacks are significantly more expensive than the single issues. I can't wait for that. It's probably going to be even more money by the time that I get yeah. to that point. No, oh, God, and, pr and printing costs are out of control. Yeah. I, ju I just ran a – I just got a price quote from my normal, print my normal printer that I use, and the single-issue print runs have gone up by just about 50%. And I'm now I'm, now I'm shopping different printers because I said, that's a, that's a big price jump there. It used to be – it used to be pretty cut and dry. Yeah. Yeah, I priced, like, a couple of different ones because, like, people don't – people think, oh, you're, like, just asking for money from people for Kickstarter or whatever. And I was like, ah, oh, there's a lot more work that goes into it. But, and um, before, Dylan, like, made a whole spreadsheet. Now we have, like, a whole spreadsheet. And, like, mm -hmm. we can just, like, plug in different uh, amounts and then I'll just calculate things. Um, yeah, and I, I think that was how, like you were saying, uh, pe people kind of think that, oh, you're just, at, you know, begging for money. And yeah. I think that's kind of how I thought when I, like, before I started using Kickstarter, I was like, okay, I'm like, eh, it just seems like, it seems too much like e-begging. Yeah. Like I'm panhand like I'm panhandling, but instead of being on the street, I'm actually doing, you know, I'm doing it online. Yeah. And one thing to remember with that is it's a legitimate cause. And basically... For a lot of creators now, Kickstarter isn't just most, a lot, well, not, I don't want to say most, but there's a lot of projects on Kickstarter that they're done. But the Kickstarter community is apt to back stuff. So a lot of times, Kickstarter is just an additional revenue stream. Yeah. Uh, so instead of launching on your website, launch on Kickstarter, because then you get built-in people who are fans of Kickstarter projects. Uh, same with, well, I'm still on the fence about this, but I think once my Kickstarter is over, I'm going to put it up on Indiegogo as well. Yeah. Uh, just because there's people on Indiegogo who aren't on, yeah, who aren't on uh, Kickstarter. And I'm sorry, I just spoke over you. Oh, that's fine. Everybody does. Voice <laughs> <laughs> is so low. Um, yeah, I like know a couple, like uh, Tyler Carpenter did that with his uh, book Ent Entity. Um, he just did that. And I think he did that or his other book or games or whatever. Or yeah, games. yeah, I just missed Tyler, man. I was uh I was gonna invite him on the podcast oh. and just didn't really get in touch with him in time and then the then the campaign was over and I was like, oh well next one I'll get you on. <laughs> yeah. Um he's awesome. Um what was I gonna say? Wow. It's blank. Um we actually ran like a two different in two one yeah two indiegogos like when it first started and it was mostly just me because even though i was against crowdfunding like i once i found it i was like oh like free money and no huh. um like we didn't have a following or anything so that's why like that's one of the things that i say like repeatedly like you need to have like an audience if you don't have an audience then like who are you um and 
that's why I like I just repeat myself so many times saying that because like we failed on Indiegogo twice because like I didn't plan really anything I just like was like oh yeah my money for this to make comics and it failed because like they didn't nobody knew what we were doing or who we were then we went to Kickstarter and we didn't we almost did the same thing but we had a following somewhat but it was just like too much like all over the place and then we finally figured it out last year yeah yeah i think that's something that a lot of creators neglect i think they see they see platforms like indiegogo like kickstarter and they just think oh yeah it's free money it's i i will put it up there and people will automatically find it and yeah kickstarter does give you a bump in visibility versus just putting it up on a random website that you haven't shared with anyone. Yeah. But yeah, you definitely have to build your, building your audience is key to it. And you don't even have to have like a big audience, but you really, I mean, when I was running my first one for kinetic identities uh, or not kinetic identities for kinetic volume one origins, which was so funny because when I put that up there and I was running my campaign at the same time, there was someone else, another creator with a kinetic origins totally different looking character um i went but he was asking for i don't know he's asking for maybe a thousand dollars or something and at the time he'd he'd raise something like i think a hundred bucks or something and it was kind of evident that he wasn't going to make it so i i just reached out and i have no ill will oh ill will towards the guy but i just i'm just like hey man i think it's funny that we both have characters named kinetic yeah. here's a here's a my campaign you know and i think i backed his campaign too just to help him out um but yeah i was got talking with him and it was basically he just he had that mindset that i can just put this up on kickstarter and it will instantly be a hit yeah yeah when it is there's a lot more that goes into it than that yeah there's a few people that came to me uh last couple months and like this one kid was like yeah, I'm gonna put my uh, comic on Kickstarter, and I was like, "Wait, huh. you have a mailing list?" And he's like, "No." And I was like, "Don't do it yet." And I'm like, and then I looked at his followers, or whatever, even though like I was already following him. And I looked at his followers on like Instagram and stuff, and I'm like, "Yeah, I would wait. Just you know, build your audience a little more. You don't need like a like you said, like you don't need like a huge audience, but you." Like, to be really successful in whatever you're doing, you need a thousand true fans. Like, that's the thing that most, like, or all creators should try to shoot for is all you have to do is get those, like, super fans. Because if you can sell something for, like, $100 to each one of them, that that's all you basically need. You only need, like, 10 million people to follow you. You know, that's something that I'm realizing in this campaign that I'm running. Uh, this campaign, I actually... Um, so I, I did it a little bit weird with this uh, Kinetic Identities campaign. I asked for a lower amount than I think I should have asked for. But my last campaign was such a nail-biter. Uh, the one I ran back in November for the trade paperback. We funded like the last day. And I was just like, man, I'm, are we going to make it? And everybody knows that if you do a crowdfunder, the first couple days are really big. The last couple of days are real big, yeah. but it's that middle point where, yeah, they call it the dead zone. Yeah. 
there's no no traffic coming it's very tough to get pledges during that middle part now you'll get pledges here and there but it won't be as explosive as the beginning and the end so with me i was like man i i can't stand that dead zone that it terrifies me because no no pledges are coming in it's so slow so i said okay i want to do something that i i know that i can easily make with my audience with how many people that i i'm backing I'm very confident that I can make this goal. And uh, sure enough, yeah, I mean, we're six or seven days in now. I think I've been up now a week and I'm fully funded. Yeah, that's awesome. Which is nice because it takes a little pressure off me because I'm like, okay, I'm not freaking out. But now on the flip side of that, I have to get people to come. And I I don't know about you, but a lot of times when I go in and see a Kickstarter, I say to myself, oh, well, they've raised their goal. Yeah. They've raised their goal. They don't need – now, if it's – nice enough kickstarter i'm interested but it definitely sways me as far as if i'm really really into something i'm gonna back it regardless but if i'm on the fence about it oh man they only have they only need 40 more bucks to make it yeah let's let's go yeah yeah that's that's just how i think about things yeah um there's really not many kickstarters i wouldn't back just because i like helping people (laughs) um but yeah, almost if it's like, yeah, I can't even think of something like horror. I didn't even know horror comics was a thing until I got into this. Um, Cause I, I didn't ever read that many comics when I was a kid. Uh, the only comics that I bought from a comic book store were uh, sp- like spectacular Spider-Man. And it was like only like a little arc. That was it. Um, that's the only comics I actually bought from like a comic book store. And I like all of the comics that are on my shell shelves up in here are indie comics. So I have like a hundred something of those or something around there. Insane. Yeah, I find myself going more and more, uh, kind of coming back to the first, uh, the first little bullet point we were doing. I find myself going more and more towards independent comics uh, because they do, there are less editorial constraints on someone doing something independently than there are uh, the big two. Yeah. And there is some, there's some wild and wacky stuff out there that you would not be able to, that would probably not even get approved somewhere else. Yeah. So it's just cool to see. It's cool to see what's out there. And also for me, it's cool that I like being the guy that uh, I was talking with Travis Gibb. I went on uh, Travis Gibb's live stream that we were talking about him. I like being the guy too that if they're trying to raise a certain amount, I like to be the one that pushes them over or at least like help them hit a milestone. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite memories just with Kickstarter was uh, I was at Jet City Comic Show in Tacoma, Washington. Kyle Starks was there and Kyle was running his Kickstarter for his Old Head comic. Um, old Head is, uh, it's kind of a, a washed up basketball player. It's ridiculous. A washed up basketball player who was kind of like, a, like a fight, like a fighter on the, a fighter on the field. He run. They run into like vampires. It, it's a it's a wacky adventure. But I try. I trust Kyle. Kyle's done also done Rock Candy Mountain, um, a couple other books. Uh, he writes too for Rick and Morty, the Rick and Morty comic. Oh, 
shit. Uh, I was across from him at Jet City Comic Show, and he was ra- trying to raise twenty thousand dollars. And I saved his book. I'm kind of watching it as it gets up and up, and I'm like, man, I'm like, let me be that guy to push you over twenty. And then next thing you know, he was like thirty dollars away or something. And I was like, all right. I'm like, hey, Kyle, Kyle, come here, come here. I said, you still running this uh, for old head, right? I was like, all right, cool. Bam, hit the button, and I'm like, all right, you're done. And it was it was a cool moment. He came over, we high fived each other, and he's like, dude, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. It's been, and he understands too, man. Having a month to try to promote something, especially when you're trying to raise that amount amount of money, it's yeah. it's a lot to ask for, and it's very draining. And that's one of the reasons too with this with this launch that I wanted something that I knew I could do 100. percent Yeah, yeah. This is our best campaign that we've done yet. Um, it's like the most money we ever raised in one day. It, it was insane because, like last year, our goal was twelve hundred dollars. We got twenty one hundred, and then there was like some backed out pledges, which that happens. But like, I didn't know that happened <laughs> until like it happened, and I was it was like two or three people, but um, like it made a little dent, and I was like, oh, that's, that sucks. But um, yeah. Yeah, we made like a thousand or something like from this first day for this one, and I was like, "Nice, yeah." I want to say, I, I, what did I end my first day at? Yeah, first day for this campaign ended at a thousand seventy-four. Maybe I can't. I can't remember if we hit eleven hundred that day, but it was funny because so we were at like eight hundred, and my last one too, my last campaign. The I had a good friend of mine that basically pre-sold i mean obviously he still had to go on when the kickstarter launched and and get it from the kickstarter but we had talked ahead of time about him doing a one of the high-end reward tiers like so that was knocked out a bunch of it last time but i didn't have that this time around he's like hey man he's like i'm gonna support you but i i got this night really cool like uh sketch cover so he said i'm gonna support you but not as much this time so we don't have like that huge 800 bucks that are coming in automatically. And we were sitting around 800 bucks with all the pledges. And I'm like, man, I'm going to call it a night. So I'm kind of get off the computer, sh- shut it down. And I'm lying down in my bed and I'm watching Facebook and Travis Gibb was going live. And I say, he's like, Hey man, I'd love to have you on. And I'm just like, all right, man, I'm, I'm lying down right now. I'll think about it. But really I think I'm down for the day. And uh, one of the, one of the dogs comes up the stairs and needs to be let out. So I said, okay, I'll get out there. And I see he's going through, he's kind of plugging my Kickstarter, just showing it on his screen. And I see that I had a hundred dollar pledge. And I'm like, man, I better message that guy just to say, thank you for the pledge. And then I've said, well, crap, if I do that, Hey man, I'm going to come on. But then it was funny because it took us from like $900 to just about 1100, just being on live stream. Yeah, like, didn't do live videos until this year, um, like, for Kickstarter or anything. We did one on last Saturday, and we got funded a while, like, on that video. I was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy, man. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a fan of live videos. I'm not the best uh, orator, and I have a face for radio, so. <laughs> you have a voice for radio. <laughs> that's one thing they mentioned on that live stream yeah i think it was like and it's funny because i i never saw myself as like anything exceptional with my voice and when i came on the first thing they said was 
hey bill we really want to say you just have you have a great radio announcer voice yeah i was like man it, it must be the uh it must be the effects that i add or it must be in the editing because i i don't really think so yeah um not a big fan of my voice it sounds like i'm a stoner or something or just someone said that i sound like bill belichick i was like thanks <laughs> <laughs> it's uh i don't i don't think anyone likes their own voice no i mean unless you're unless you're like actually using your voice professionally i think yeah. every time you every time you hear yourself it just sounds goofy yeah and then like if you hear it on a video you're just like ah that's what it sounds like <laughs> but yeah there's like a whole trick in your mind of like oh like you're not you don't really like your voice because there's like something like you're hearing a different thing that other people are hearing so yeah I think one thing that helped me out just from doing the podcast is I think I'm, I still not stutter, but uh, I still have verbal tics and, uh, you know, have trouble finding words and all that. But I think it's actually helped doing the podcast every week because, yeah. you know, I just am more comfortable with sitting down in front of a microphone and talking to someone. Yeah. Yeah. I obviously can't think of words sometimes as I was doing like, you know, right now. <laughs> and uh earlier but like doing a podcast did help because um, i never used to talk to anybody like that not one to talk to many people so this definitely helped help network and just me in general like talking so. yeah that's one thing i wanted uh wanted to do with my podcast was because uh, I, I know a lot of creators yeah. But when we see each other, it's usually we see run into each other at a convention and now conventions aren't happening. So, I mean, that's out the window, but whenever we see each other, it's really just like, Hey, Steve, what's going on, man? How's the show, show been for you? Oh, show's good, man. I got to get back to my booth, you know, yeah. and usually really quick interactions like that. And the only time you're really going to have is either before the show or after the show. And, uh, before the show, it's usually too early for me, so I'm not, I'm not doing that. And then after the show, I that's one thing I want to be cognizant about when I go back to conventions. I'm going to make a conceited effort to go out and actually like intermingle with people at at the after parties and go to karaoke and stuff. But at the end of the show, usually I'm so tired that it's just, all right, I can go out or I can get that sweet, sweet sleep. So... <clears throat> yeah uh this year we were supposed to it was supposed to be the first year of us going to like cons and everything and we have a whole plan of what we're doing at them and with the whole group of people that are on, on our comic platform and then you know 2020 happened and now we couldn't go to those <clears throat> so then i was gonna do an online uh convention thing and then like trying to get everybody to like send me things and I'm like no I'm not gonna do that so and all the online conventions yeah every time I swear every time one happened I found out about it like the day before yeah and it was oh well our lineup set and I'm like okay well thanks for reaching out to me guys yeah my one artist um messaged me and he's just like oh yeah like if you want to come on uh this comic event thing uh like comic-con uh next weekend yeah it's next weekend 
um, and you could talk about your video game and like how you like world building and all that stuff. Like, oh yeah, okay. And like I did, didn't even know anything about it until like he said something. And um, then there's another one that's someone invited up me too, and it's going to be doing that too. So next weekend is really busy. Yeah, for me, I mean, I schedule these conventions out usually six months to a year in advance. Yeah. And it's just odd that uh, it seems like the new normal is, hey, you want to come on? Like like, uh, like this, we just planned. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we just changed this all today. Originally, I set it for Sunday, which is, I mean, a couple days couple days to give. But yeah. Yeah. It was a couple hours notice. I said, yeah. Yeah. I actually double booked like you and uh, Kevin. On Sunday, and I was like, "Oh well, if he's available today." <laughs> oh yeah, I, and I've, I've had that happen. Schedule. It's tough to schedule things, man, because it's yeah. for me the system that I'm using is I plug it into just Google Calendar, and I'm like, Google tells me when it's going to happen. But the thing is, I put it into Google Calendar, and then I don't even think about it. Like, <laughs> it's Google's job to remember that for me. But yeah. the thing is, if I have something scheduled and then I go and say, oh, yeah, let's plug you in for Saturday. And then I go into Google Calendar and I say, oh, I already have something for Saturday. Yeah. Then I got an email back and say, hey, man, I totally messed up. Can we push it back, you know, an hour or two? Yeah. Um, I was saying to one of the people I was messaging that doing an episode later. Um, and I was like, yeah, I need like a whiteboard or something to like write. I have like an app called Basecamp and like me and Dylan use it as a business partner. We use it for like organizing, you know, when certain things are going to get done, like to-do lists or whatever. Um, even though we don't follow it all the time, we definitely follow it for like podcast episodes and stuff. And like even putting it into that, like I would rather just write it on a like marker board behind me and then I would know. I could just turn around and be like, oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, it's it's odd, man. There's a, uh, uh, I know he's a YouTuber. I don't, I, but he's a pretty big, and it feels weird saying this, but he's a pretty big influencer. Um, I think Thomas Frank. Uh, Thomas Frank does a lot of stuff about, uh, does, does a lot of videos about productivity, productivity systems. And since kind of watching him, I kind of took up his thing where, yeah, I use my to-do list. I use Google Calendar. I have everything set up. And once you kind of get set up with it, I mean, it's good to go. But it's yeah. just doing that. And I will say, since implementing that, I feel way more productive than I used to be. I used to have a, uh, I just take the notebook, I would write down my to-do list. Uh, but the thing was, I, I would write down the to-do list for the day or either the night before for the next day. And uh, then I'd have to do that every day. And now instead I've got the to-do list that's uh, basically loaded in with everything I need to do for you just about the next week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did have a planner and I don't even know where I put that, but um, Dylan uses the planner and he plans his day out every day, like breakfast and whatever else he's got to do. Yeah. I don't go that far. Usually one, one stupid thing I do, this is, this is like the dumbest life hack for me. The first thing that's ever on my to-do list is get up, shower, shave. And my, my roommates give me crap for it all the time because uh, they're like, dude, get a, it's, you're going to shower and shave every day regardless. And I see, yeah, but the thing is that 
once I mark it off, it's so easy for me to say, okay, what's next on my to-do list? And then yeah. just go. Yeah, once you start checking things off, there's a, I forgot what it's called, but if don't, see where you know. Um, once you, like, if you check something off, like it's, you're, you accomplish something for the day. That's like, that's why um, there's a book called Make Your Bed. And uh, I don't do this. <laughs> um, if you make your bed, then that's technically accomplishing something already at the beginning of the day. And I work overnights, so that's why I'm like half asleep right now, because this is technically my first day off. But I just got home at like 7.30 a.m. And then, yeah, I try to stay awake if I can on Fridays up until like nighttime. And then I go to sleep like a normal human being instead of staying up all night. I don't want to like, it's just weird to me to do that. Yeah, if it wasn't for the hours, I would really like working overnights. Yeah. Um, Way way back when I worked at a grocery store, I would be like, I I was like the fill-in night crew guy. So I usually work days, but if somebody was taking a vacation on night crew, I'd be like, oh, I'll take the, I'll take those shifts. Why not? And it was really fun because there's no customers. There's, yep. You never deal with anyone. It's just you, you, you do your job, you get it done, yeah. and then you go home. And even, yeah. taking a, even going to sleep, I'd be up by noon, and the next thing you know, I got the whole afternoon to do stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I get up like most of the time around like 3 p.m. or because once I get home, I usually like, just fall asleep. It's like yeah. 7.30-ish. Um, except like when I launched the Kickstarter, it was like I didn't go to sleep until like 8, 9. So I was just worried about, oh, how far can we get till I, like, I fall asleep? Um, yeah, but I'm actually trying to do this full time. So like I've been starting to put that in my head because I like – my goal this year was to pay off my car and then, you know, pay off my debt. Um, and then like a year, year and a half, I should figure out a way to get this business making money like constantly. So I don't need to have a full-time job because I can't work for somebody else. It's just like how I'm wired. And my job is super easy. All I do is like stare at cameras and like watch YouTube. But <laughs> And that's one thing I think is important for uh, any up and coming or aspiring artists, writers, anyone trying to do anything creative is re- have fun being creative. Yeah. But remember that it's a business. Yep. And that's something too, that I think a lot of, uh, a lot of really talented artists, a lot of really talented writers, a lot of really talented people, they just don't have that business acumen. No. So. Yeah, they don't have marketing in their skill set a lot of independents don't. And then like try to like, you know, poke them to be like, Hey, do this. And they're like, yeah, you don't, you don't have to be a master marketer, but I mean, at least take like marketing one-on-one or, you know, it's like read, read a, read a Google article about it. A couple articles. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know how many books you have to read to become like a master or whatever, like a, you know about that sort of niche or whatever. Um, I've read enough books that I know marketing. Um, I know what you should do with social media. Because we both, me and Dylan both follow like Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Um, like to a T. So social media is like a huge thing for our business. Mm-hmm. Like we try to help everybody that's on our platform with that. 
didn't know how to do that really in the beginning. Um, so some have followed with that. So they share more on Instagram whatever else. Like that's the one thing that I can't understand that people that are artists and they're not on Instagram. It's like an, it's kind of like it's visual. So <laughs> like put your art on there. That's all you got to do. And then people are like, Oh, this looks cool. <laughs> that's funny because, uh, of Facebook, of the social medias, Instagram's the one that I'm probably on the least. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm very active on Twitter. I'm very, uh, I'm pretty active on Facebook, but it's, uh, it's Instagram that just, I got to post up this and the, the picture has to be this. It doesn't know. It's, it's the like, one that I have the most trouble with. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. But like, once I started posting like constantly, um, then I'm just like, oh yeah, this is pretty easy. Cause like, nobody's expecting you to be like oh like you're master photographer where's all those selfies and oh your art's amazing and all the time you like just progress just progress every day and then like they'll like grow your audience and it's easy well it's not easy but you know just gotta start and do it most people though uh, I think uh, that that's something too. Is that it's very easy to say you're going to start, but it's a lot harder to actually start. Yeah. But um, usually, st usually starting, at least for me, is the hardest thing. Yeah. Like uh, one thing I keep doing, like being an asshole to myself, is like I want to lose enough weight that I'm not fat to myself. <laughs> um. And I did keto like in March. Yeah, March to May or June. And then I like stopped because after a while it's just expensive and annoying. And uh, it's better to do it with somebody else, like my girlfriend. She didn't like most of the food that I was making that had to deal with that. So, and she didn't need to lose weight, but I did. And it's better to have somebody doing it with you. But I just stopped doing it. And, uh, I started falling off like the horse of, you know, trying to lose weight. So I have to get back on doing that, but yeah. just not going to do keto. Cause... Yeah. I'm the, I'm the same way, man. I don't, I don't want to look at my, uh, I don't want to look at this last year and my, you know, the new year's resolution of hey, I'll yeah. lose a couple pounds and say, oh, you know, worry about that next year. Yeah. <laughs> Stop eating fast food. I say that like to myself, even though like I ate like McDonald's or something. I used to hate McDonald's, but it's like, near my job before I like like turn the corner so I'm just like ah I'll go there but I didn't yeah. eat yeah yeah it's convenient yeah like that, that reminds me just if I'm ever taking like uh, a road trip like when I went and did C2E2 in the Chicago and I'm from Seattle so yeah I uh, <laughs> ro I road tripped out to Chicago and then I did a couple other shows there too because it was so easy when I was in the Midwest to just kind of jet around the Midwest just in my car and it's just like, all right, beginning of the day, drive, start driving. Yeah, where am I going to eat? And it's just, where I, well, there's, there's a McDonald's. It's just, they're right by the road. They're right by the side of the highway. So yeah, they're just convenient. Where you yeah. stop in a gas station and then it's like, oh, gas station food, which you should, you should not be eating. Yeah. I, I don't think I really eat gas station food ever. Um, 
I have, but I've never had like a burrito or anything. I've had like when I lived in Florida for like three months, I hated that. And I had like a hot dog from like Seven Eleven, and I was like, no. Yeah, the the whole tone of this interview changed as soon as I mentioned. <laughs> as soon as I mentioned gas station food, it was like gas station food. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. Well. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I'm gonna wrap this up. And uh, what what's like your elevator pitch to get people to your Kickstarter? Yes. So it's super easy. Kinetic is basically imagine that you're developing superpowers, but your city already has a hero. That hero's kind of a jerk. He doesn't really care, and you think you can do a better job. And then specifically for Kinetic Identities number one, which is live on Kickstarter now. Now it's a couple years later. Johnny's beaten the bad guy. He's got the girl, and he's mastered his powers. Now what? Uh, you can you can find Kinetic Identities number one. We're live on Kickstarter through September twelfth. It's super easy to get there. It's www.kineticcomic.com. It'll take you right there. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on and. Uh... Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No. Thank you so much for having me, man. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, no problem. We'll it's been nice doing. Uh, I don't. I don't know about you for the Zoom meetings for me. It's been nice just seeing other people and yeah. chatting with them. Yeah. Uh, for a while with COVID, I didn't see anyone. It was like okay. I was. We used to use uh, Google Hangouts for, you know, recording stuff, and it was like super glitchy with the video and everything. Like they're very bad at like video chats because it's not made for like long form videos or anything and that's what we used to do with our podcast so this is like a step up because i bought zoom like monthly so this is way better than before and then we had to use like obs to like record the hangouts and that, that was annoying so yeah when i started i was using skype uh but skype and it didn't happen that often but the the one time it did it like lost an interview yeah so because of that i started using zoom and i haven't had any issue with zoom except for every now and then uh there'll be some static or like you'll talk but i can't see you moving oh but yeah, yeah. That, that pops up every now and then but i mean it's it seems more stable than skype but i still i still keep skype because there's some people who are just they won't won't use Zoom. yeah because yeah. of the because of the uh, whatever, well, I don't even know what it was. It was like the Zoom security breach or what have you. Yeah, I didn't. Like, I, I don't know exactly what happened, but the thing is that I'm just like, dude, we're not discussing, like, military secrets. Like, we're talking about comics, man. Yeah. Um, it's okay. We're kind of, like, a, not against it, because we've been on there, like, for certain, some people. But, like, we, we just don't use Skype. I think it's garbage. <laughs> sponsored by skype um (laughs) yeah i don't have any issues with it like i said i'll I'll use it it's just it's a different interface and i think i think zoom has a better interface yeah you can like share the screen and whatever yeah um i don't know i just like it okay well uh thanks yeah uh, thank you again so much for having me on and uh looking forward to let me know when it goes what i'll and what i'll do too i'll shoot you over a referral link so I've been sending everyone to, well, it's still recording, but obviously this will get cut. But yeah. I'm sending everyone to kineticcomic.com. Yeah. But uh, I can send you a referral link because I, I, are you using those for your Kickstarter? Uh, we, 
Dylan's been doing it. He, this is the most active he's been, like, when we do a crowdfunding campaign. Yeah. Last year, like, he wasn't really that active. Um, yeah, like, I'm all in on these referral links. Yeah. Because I can see where people are coming from, and I'm like, okay, Twitter got this many. And really, it's, it started, be, it started because I want to prove that this one Facebook group that I'm a member of does not do anything for me. I yeah. think I know what. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to name the group, but there's one Facebook group that I'm like, I think I'm going to stop being a member of this group because they have a lot of members, but uh, yeah. they have a lot of members who don't do anything. I, I know I post a lot and it might come off as spammy, but I'm just trying to keep, you know, everybody in the loop of our... Yeah, history. and that's the name of the game, man. It's funny that I'm, th I'm trying to do about once a week. Yeah. Like, and just hit everywhere. My Twitter, I will hit up constantly. I, but I know with I know with face Twitter. with Facebook, if you do it too much, they'll actually be like, "Yo, you can't do that anymore." Oh yeah. But I, I haven't I haven't thrown I haven't thrown it off by doing like twice a week. But I just I, I'm worried about doing any more than that because I just don't want to get get hit with nothing. Yeah, I well, yeah. Hope Facebook isn't listening or watching. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, like last year, I didn't even share my campaign like my campaign was going on but like it ended it, like right before it ended they blocked me from using facebook groups at all like all together for like a week and i was like oh, okay well screw you and yeah, then then it ended and i was like okay like what could i use that week to get more people but thanks um and then i shared somebody else's campaign chiron silva he had uh, this Kickstarter called Donner Lane, which is like a horror Christmas kind of comic, which yeah, really name, name, sound, name sounds familiar, but I can't put a face to the name. Yeah, uh, he's got, uh, I can't say the comic. It, his comic is coming out on Kickstarter. Uh, it's, I call it XOB, but I don't think that's what it's called. <laughs> um, it's like Zob. Or, yeah, yeah, I know. Like, there's there's a Zob that I saw that's coming out. I don't know if yeah, it is, though. Yeah, it might be. And... Um, I, I I was like just sharing it so much that um, I was sharing it like basically the same amount and uh, Facebook's like you're a robot and they just like blocked me from posting in Facebook groups for like months. So yeah, that's okay. crazy. Yeah, that's one thing I just don't want to happen to me is so I'm just like, hey man, I'll do it like maybe once or twice a week. You know, I just posted up on that indie comic conspiracy because it's free post Friday. And then I do the podcast too. My brilliant idea this time around was for the, so for the podcast, what I'm doing is I'm bringing on creators who did worked on kinetic. Yeah. That's awesome. And I'm trying to like cross pollinate between them, but not too many people listen to the podcast. So I don't think it's working. Yeah. Well, I got next guest now. So uh, All right. I'm going to stop recording. Hey, well, Greg, then... thank you again, just for having me on, man. It was nice chatting with you. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on getting funded. You too. And <laughs> hopefully we uh, keep making cool works for people and catch up in a few. Yeah. See ya.